We are counting the days until pitchers and catchers report. And with that, the Tigers announced their non-roster invitees for spring training. And we're going to go over them today. All on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Okay, welcome back, everybody. It is a Wednesday. Hope everyone's week is going well. Uh, getting prepped for the final push here. So uh, some programming notes as far as the show goes. Not this week, not next week. The week after that, however, we will be back to five episodes a week, as that is the week, that Pitchers and Catchers report. So, uh, well, Pitchers and Catchers and the rest of the roster kind of trickles in throughout the week, too. So uh, February 13th. The week of February 13th, we'll be officially back to five episodes a week. And with that, we will be starting our series of uh, player, not breakdowns, because that was kind of like the end of last season. But this one is a look ahead, what we can expect out of each individual player. Going to kind of do a deep dive. Every player gets either an episode or close to an episode, maybe two an episode, like we did at the end of last season. But instead of recapping, we're looking ahead. So that will start then. We'll also obviously have all the spring training updates and pitchers and catchers reporting updates and all of that good stuff. Uh, but on February 13th, we'll be that week, we'll be back to five episodes a week. So very, very pumped. Whenever I'm back to five a week, that means it's baseball season, baby. Can't wait for uh, the Super Bowl, but everybody knows that after the Super Bowl is when baseball season starts. So just really pumped to hit the ground running. Uh, okay, so on today's show, we will be discussing the non-roster invitees to spring training as those were announced on Monday. So Monday, yeah, I think Monday, not Tuesday. Today's Tuesday for me. It's Wednesday for you. Yeah, Monday. They uh, announced the non-roster invitees. I know that this isn't like groundbreaking stuff and and this is not, you know, we're not going to discuss these players in the light of you know, like, how, is there any sleepers here that could be like all-star caliber players or anything for the Tigers? Certainly not. They are not on a 40-man roster anywhere in baseball for a reason. But I do think that there is still some interesting conversations here. So that's what today's show is going to be about. Uh, the 40-man roster, everybody on the 40-man, obviously will make it to spring training. So these are all the players that are not on the 40-man roster that will still be a part of Detroit Tigers spring training. I think I'm just going to read off everybody first, and then we can kind of go back in and re-break down positional groups and individual players that stick out to us and all that kind of stuff. So let's just get through the entire list. Okay. Elvis Alvarado, Kervin Castro, Angel Jesus, Miguel DePozo, uh, Miguel Diaz, Brennan Hanafi, Zach Logue, Chasen Streve, Trey Winginter, I always have a problem with his last name, and Adam Wolf are the pitchers. Then Dylan Dingler, Mario Feliciano, Andrew Knapp, Michael Papirski, and Julio E. Rodriguez as the catchers. 
Infielders are Brennan Davis, Cesar Hernandez, Andy Abanez, Colt Keith, and Jermaine Palacios. And then the outfielders are Jonathan Davis as and Justin Henry Malloy. So those are your non-40-man roster invitees. Uh, there's some questions about like some prospects that are on this list and if they're going to do whatever. I, I think there, there's definitely some conversations there. They can still invite more people and they can still have some minor leaguers and prospects come as well. But these are the, the, the major league non-roster invitees. Let's start with catcher because the thing that really jumps out the page at me right away is just that there's going to be a lot of catchers in camp. Like we already have three on the 40 man in Donnie Sands, Jake Rogers, Eric Haas. And then we have five catchers on the non-roster invitee list, Dingler, Feliciano, Knapp, Papirski, and Rodriguez. Uh, we've talked about all five of these dudes this offseason. We talked about uh, the everyone that's not Dylan Dingler when they were acquired and kind of did a breakdown of them so you don't have to go too much in-depth on the individual players there. Uh, you can go and find those at, like I said, previous points in, uh, in the offseason. And then Dingler, we've obviously talked about pretty much any time we've had a conversation about prospect lists because he's the – for most publications, the best catching prospect in the organization. I'm a big crouch guy, but he's still a little bit away. Uh, Dingler was a, a, a relatively highly drafted player that people had a lot of high expectations for. His first year was pretty solid, then he kind of tailed off at the end, and then he just – he wasn't bad last year by any stretch. It just – he didn't really take a big jump. He kind of more or less plateaued, and I think a lot of people expected him to kind of take another big step forward. Um, and so now he's at this weird point where he's still like young and could still be really solid. And I think a lot of people still assume him to be a part of the future plans for the Tigers, but he is slipping, uh, sometimes pretty dramatically across prospect lists. We talked about prospect lists the other day, you know, to each their own, but, uh, definitely going to be interested in seeing him in the spring, go up against some major league talent. That's a big one, but, uh, again, really, uh, it, it just it really jumped out to me how many catchers they have here. And um, I, I think in spring ball, you know, like Sands and Rogers will be like a bigger storyline. Not that it's necessarily a, a very close battle right now on February 1st. I think Rogers is still pretty much the presumed go-to backup catcher. But I think not only the fact of, you know, if – Sands, you know, the competition between Sands and Rogers or whatever. But if Eric Haas looks somewhat decent in the corner outfield, I mean, who's to say that they don't roster all three of them on opening day? Now, again, like 26 man rosters at the major league level now. I don't think it's ridiculous necessarily to assume that, not assume, but, but I, I don't think it would be a jaw dropping revolution, revelation rather, if. The uh, if they rostered all three of them on opening day, and again, that would have to be Eric Haas looking really good in the outfield. They, I don't think they just do that just because, but uh, if they can find a way to get all three of them in the lineup, is and it would also come down to Sands looking really good if Donnie Sands looked really good in the spring. I don't think that's that far fetched either. And uh, with the other five guys here that are non roster, non -roster invitees. I mean, you're, you're talking about playing for minor league spots. You're talking about playing for where you fall kind of in the depth positioning of the minors where, you know, when, not if, but when there's an injury at the catcher position because it's catcher, that happens. Um, you know, who are the first guys you're going to call up 
there's a lot of moving parts behind the dish, which I love. That's my favorite position in sports, but uh, that that is certainly something that we're going to have to keep an eye out for sure. Catcher is that was a big thing that jumped out at me right away. It was just you know eight catchers, eight total catchers between uh, both camps. So let's take a look at the outfield because that's a pretty short one as well. Only two names. Well, there's some people that can play the outfield. It's not. We're, this is a very like fluid positionally organization, to be honest with you. Like there are so many players that can play five, six, seven. You know, people talk about oh, the NBA is becoming a positionless sport. Well, so are the Detroit Tigers. Like honestly, this is a this is a, a very versatile roster. Whether that results in wins or not, you know, only time will tell. And I think most people think it won't. But uh, it, that that is definitely something that Harris and Hinch have both made public how much they they like the profile of players that can play multiple positions and we're certainly seeing that so uh, on this list this list is, is via Evan Petzold of the Athletic he has two people listed as quote-unquote outfielders that's Justin Henry Malloy and Jonathan Davis Henry Malloy is someone we've talked about a lot this offseason we don't have to do a deep dive on him um, you look I am so pumped for him I he might be in terms of prospects I'm most excited about he might be one like he's up there for me, man. Like just the, the amount that he walks is so exciting. And I think that he fits the profile of what Harris is trying to do here. Exactly. Uh, when it comes to what he does at the plate and you know, whether he plays third base because that's was his original position or whether they try to give him looks in the corner outfield. I think that they are going to play him all over the place. That's what spring is for experiment a little bit, see if he's more comfortable somewhere, if he looks better somewhere than elsewhere. And and then that will kind of determine what, look, I think he's going to play at the majors at, at corner outfield and third base this year. Like I think whether it's the second half of the season or the first half or whatever, I think he's going to get reps kind of everywhere. Um, but this is the first step towards that. So that's going to be kind of exciting. And then the other one that was the, the surprise of the list was, was Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis is, uh, has kind of been a fourth outfielder type for a few years, four or five years now at the major league level. Um, he only has 350 career plate appearances, so it's not like he's been on you know a roster for 162 games or anything. But uh, it's kind of that depth outfielder that's hopped around, played for the Brewers, played for the Blue Jays, I believe, at one point, or was in their system at one point. Uh, this was like an unannounced signing. They agreed to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training with him, and, and that was something that was kind of flew under the radar uh, from everybody, really, media alike. Uh, he has a career 10% walk rate at the MLB level, really solid. Uh, he had a 15% walk rate last year, but it was under 100 MLB plate appearances, so take that with whatever. Uh, eight outs above average in the outfield in his career. That's 850 innings recorded in the outfield. Uh, eight OAA is pretty solid. So he's a plus defender for the most part. There's, you know, depending on which outfield position and how many innings and stuff, there are some negative OAAs in there, but for the most part, as a whole, he's a positive outfielder, um, and has a really good walk rate. The thing is he has a 536 career OPS again in 350 career MLB plate appearances. Um, so he's walking, but when the when he is hitting the ball, he's not doing too much with it. Thus, the minor league signing. He's also 30 years old, 18 career stolen bases as well. So you're getting a guy with with some speed. He walks a lot. He's a plus defender. 
makes sense that this organization would take a chance on him. Am I expecting him to make the team or wow us and, and be on the 40-man at the end of spring? No, but solid minor league depth piece if he sticks with us even the, even the past the spring and into the season, sure. Fits the profile. Again, they are going to get people that fit their profile, whether you like it or not. And this one certainly does, uh, even with the, the 536 career OPS. Like, not on the roster. Again, if you're mad about this, you're not mad about it. Like, I, I promise. Okay, let's get to the rest of the bats, and then we'll get into uh, some of the pitchers as well. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. Look, we're all really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download the, download the FanDuel app now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line, the point spread, who will score a touchdown, Super Bowl, most betted sporting event of the year, right? There's going to be a lot of fun, you know, player bets and prop bets and everything there. It's going to be a great time. So the FanDuel Sportsbook app is where you're going to go. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. There's no waiting around. You win, you get your money. Uh, so join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Segment two here, LockedOn Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Okay, let's uh, we can go to the infielders now. Just get all the bats out of the way before we get into the pitching side of things. Um, you know what? This is a, a interesting group because I think this is the group that has the biggest chance to play their way onto the roster. Uh, whether it's just onto the 40-man or straight up onto the opening day roster, uh, I think that the infield has the the biggest ceilings in terms of you know how much they can accomplish in spring ball. So uh, first up, we have Brendan Davis, solid walk numbers in, in AAA last year. We saw Brendan Davis. We don't need to go too much in-depth on him. Uh, saw him come up from the minors at the end of last season. He was once a decently regarded prospect for the Angels back in the day. Tigers claimed him on waivers last year, and uh, and he is still with the organization. Somebody that was removed from the 40-man earlier in the offseason and is still getting an invite back to spring. So that's a sign that, you know, not maybe 40-man roster crop, but certainly Scott Harris, even the new regime, still wants to take a look at him. Uh, then we have Cesar Hernandez. Look, we, we did a whole breakdown on Cesar Hernandez. What was it? Just Monday's show? Sometime in the last week. Um, and, uh, and so we kind of got the deep dive on him out of the way, so we don't have to go too much in depth, but, um, look, I'll, I'll reiterate the point that this is not only going to make second base a competition because it will, and it'll kind of put a little bit of needed pressure, I think on scope to, to perform in the spring. But I also very much believe, I'm not saying it's likely, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I very much believe there is still a route for Cesar Hernandez to 
be on this team early in the season, even if Jonathan Scope performs well and kind of gets back to his, you know, water finds his level type of offense. I, I don't think that it's just it's either Scope or Hernandez. I think there is a way where, where both of them to kind of coexist on the roster together. So we'll see what happens, but that's certainly going to be one of the bigger storylines earlier on in spring as well. Andy Ibanez, uh, we kind of talked about Andy Ibanez a long time ago, like early, early on in the offseason because he was a waiver claim. One of the earlier moves by Scott Harris doesn't have crazy high walk numbers in the minor leagues or the major leagues, but he has really low strikeout numbers. And we talk about it all the time. Dominating the strike zone doesn't necessarily mean you just have to walk a lot. If you don't strike out a lot, that's kind of the same thing. Uh, it's not at all the same thing, but it, it accomplishes the same thing of dominating the strike zone. Uh, something we talked about with Hernandez, the Z contact percentage, right? How often you're hitting the ball that is inside of the strike zone. Andy Ibanez is, is 91%. So like that's just under 91%. So somebody that definitely can put the bat on the ball with the best of them. Uh, he also is a very versatile player. He's played all over the infield and outfield. So again, somebody that Scott Harris kind of fits the profile there as well. We'll see if, you know, there was some talk earlier on that he would play his way into a utility role on this team. And even though he's not on the 40 man any, anymore, I don't think that's totally out of the question either, but regardless, I don't expect him to make the team out of camp and he will be a nice utility kind of like in that role. Zach short was in really the last two years, I guess kind of the, one of the first guys called up that can kind of play anywhere and still accomplishes the same profile for, for Detroit. Uh, Colt Keith. This one's a fun one. Colt Keith is a non-roster invite. He's him. We, we talked about it. Uh, I guess Monday's show was that right. Where we were talking about the prospect list. Um, he won't make the team out of camp. Like he definitely won't, but he is, maybe the most fun player to watch in spring training just because like he's here and he's actually going to get somewhat of a look now uh, you know he may not make it more than the first week or two of spring but he he's getting a call he's gonna be he's gonna be here and that's fun uh look arguably one of our best prospects may audition for a little bit of a bigger role in the minors. I mean, uh, again, I, he's not going to make the team out of camp, but if he like rakes, I mean, I guess there's a chance that they could be like, oh, you know, we wanted to start him here. Maybe we'll start him here instead. We'll see how he looks. The, really the biggest thing, there's no like, oh, you know, his spring is going to determine a whole lot for him organizationally this year because uh, it's not, but he's still going to be one of the more fun players on the entire roster to watch just because he's him. So Definitely someone. Um, let's see. Who do we have next? Uh, Jermaine Palacios is another one that kind of went under the radar. 26 years old. Another guy that plays multiple positions. Pretty average walk numbers in the minors. Did not walk much and really do anything at the plate last season. He played for Minnesota, if you remember, uh, playing against him a couple of times last year. Um, yeah, he had like a 413 OPS at the major league level last year. And it was like, like, you know, 80 plate appearances or whatever. But still, that's really, really not great. In the minors, he had a mid-700s OPS for most of his minor league career. Uh, we'll see. I think that this is pretty much just a depth signing and depth addition to the organization, which, again, is even if he doesn't ever step foot on a major league field for the Detroit Tigers, which – I would imagine they don't really want him to. That would mean that something has gone wrong or there's a lot of injuries or something. Um, it's nice to at least see the organization constantly adding depth and not just becoming complacent. Uh, Alvarado 
is – well, that's the pitching side of things. I think that's it for all the hitters. Yeah, okay. Let's get into the pitchers, and we'll uh, we'll wrap this up right after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. Third and final segment here of Locked on Tigers. So let's just get right into it. Let's get to the pitching side of things. Uh, Elvis Alvarado. This is a really crazy career arc, which just kind of those fascinate me. Uh, he was an outfielder early on, like when he was like 17, 18 years old, like he was an outfielder with a really good arm and just was pretty brutal, like horrible at the plate in rookie ball for Washington in his age 18 season. And so they started pitching him a little bit more and now he's a PO. And it's just like, it's fascinating to me that that kind of career arc um, that's, those are always great storylines to follow, but uh, yeah, look, I mean, it didn't walk too many players in the minors, has decent strikeout numbers in AA last year. Uh, he was one of the higher leverage relievers for Erie last season in their playoff team. So has some uh, some some experience in pressure situations, had a pretty good season. Uh, we took him in the Rule 5, the minor league Rule 5 draft, right? Because they have like the major league Rule 5 that everybody knows about and then you know, they do a triple A AAA and a double A part of the rule five as well. Uh, so we took him in 2021 in the minor league portion of the rule five draft. Uh, last year, he reached, I mean, the upper 90s. His heater reached the upper 90s uh, at times last season, too. So, yeah, definitely someone to keep an eye out for. I'm glad he got an invite. Uh, he's something that I, someone that I have wanted to watch more of for a while. Uh, and with as solid of a season as he had with a really good minor league team last year, I I think that's a good a good business decision to invite him to spring and see kind of what we got in him. Again, good velocity. So definitely someone to watch. Uh, Castro is a Giants guy, somebody that was in the Giants organization, actually on the Giants major league team while Scott Harris was there, mid-90s fastball. In 2021, he didn't allow a run in 13 innings. And then in 2022, this past season at the majors, uh, he had an ERA of like over 10. It was only in 12 innings pitch, but kind of got rocked across all 12 of those innings. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what we got again. This kind of seems like someone that Harris really liked when he was in San Francisco. The option was to bring him in. It, it, that opportunity became available, and he took it. So we'll see what we got in him. Uh, DeJesus, DePozo, and Diaz. Del Pozo and Diaz. Uh, you know, th those are guys that – we have seen before and have been in the organization. So don't really need, we kind of know what they are. Don't need too much of a deep dive on them, but all have gotten invites to spring training, which is worth noting for sure. You know, I really like Miguel Diaz. I think that's somebody that I'm kind of of those three, if we're kind of clumping them in together, that's somebody that I'm kind of interested in seeing in the spring. Uh, Hanafi had a four ERA and just under 40 innings in double a last year. We'll see what we got in him. Uh, Zach Logue, low 90s fastball, had like a 6-8 ERA in a full season. He pitched almost 60 innings for Oakland at the major league level last year. But that was his ERA. We'll see what, we, what they have in him. His minor league numbers, he has some low walk seasons, but uh, we'll see. You know, a, a lot of these guys, you know, you hear these numbers and you're like, oh my goodness, what are they doing? Well, if they had good numbers, they would be on somebody else's roster and locked up. So these are kind of the, the available players. But Basically, what you're doing with minor league free agents is you are taking a look at dudes that, again, don't have good stats in their most recent season or else they'd be on a team. That's how it works. And 
you're trying to look at whether it's their mechanics or their honestly just like their flaws and you're looking at your coaching staff and going can you fix this and if they say yeah we might be able to those are the minor league signings you're you're going to bring on board like that's really all the veteran minor league signings are so makes sense like maybe not great numbers but has had some decent low walk numbers in his professional career at some point we'll see what the the coaching staff would do with him again these are not even on the 40 man roster no one's expecting any of these dudes to to be incredible and and make really uh, if none of these guys made the team out of camp that would be par for the course that would be the the assumption so anything more than that is is kind of frosting Icing, frosting on top, whatever. Um, Shreve, rather, we have talked about before. We kind of did a breakdown on him when we signed him. Same with Wing Inter. We also did a, a breakdown on him when he came aboard, so we don't have too much else to add on there. Adam Wolf, the last guy, had a 272 ERA in AA last year. He started 11 games, came out of the pen for about 24 25, had a like I said, 272 ERA. He's 26 years old. Um, look, like this is a guy who has been around the organization for a while. I mean, his I believe his draft year was 2018, 2017, 2018. Like he, he's been here for, for five, six years now. And earlier on, you know, people really liked kind of his profile a little bit. And then he just kind of sunk into the, not career minor leaguer, but just like, okay, this is like pitching depth. He's going to be, around double a and then well you know anything else you more anything else you get out of him will just be kind of extra credit and uh he really had a solid year last year for again a really good team in erie so uh i'm happy for adam wolf i'm glad that he he had one really good start did he have like a a seven inning no hitter maybe he had something like that since i started hosting the show he had something noteworthy i remember talking about earlier on so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Adam Wolf, man. And again, 26 years old. I, I think, you know, just kind of to summarize everything, we'll transition into, the, into that. I think when you look at the group of pitchers, you're seeing a lot of guys that uh, uh, carry a similar mindset. This group as a whole carries a similar mindset to what I've been saying the major league team will be this year in the sense that there's a lot of dudes that Harris is inviting to spring and he's going to go, you know what? It's time to see what we got in these dudes. And I think that a lot of players fit that bill uh, on the pitching side of things. Like, let's give you an opportunity in the spring. You're going to go up against some, some big league talent, some potential big league talent. We'll see how you look. We need to come to a decision on what your role, your future role with the organization is. And we need to come to that decision sooner rather than later. And I think that that's going to be the theme of the entire season for Detroit, major league team, regular season, all of it. And I think that you're starting to see that already just with the group of pitchers there uh, that are invited to spring. Uh, on the bat side of things, it's really, it's a lot of major league flyers, right? Like major league talent that you're taking a flyer on to see if they can maybe have a really good spring and make the team out of camp or it's prospects. So that that's obviously fun storylines to watch on the bat side of things. Then catcher, we kind of already discussed earlier. So that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm pumped. I know that again, like this is not like the most exciting discussion point in, in the world. But uh, I, I, again, I said it earlier in the off season, I want to know everything. I want to know everyone that's dressing in an old English D for spring ball. I, I, I want to know every storyline. And so that's what I'm 
kind of relaying to you. Oh, I just got sent something. Oh, the athletic just came out with their MLB offseason grades. The tiger. Okay. We can get a live reaction to this. We have a couple of minutes here at the end of the show. The tigers are a C minus, which is the third lowest grade given out. Makes sense. Uh, in the same tier as the Giants, Dodgers, and Red Sox. I'll get a C-. The only teams worse than the Tigers are the Rockies, who got a D, and the White Sox, who got an F. The White Sox, man, like, that's accurate. Um, the White Sox, oh, man. Everything that we've been kind of, like, going through and complaining about and and all the hardships that we have had as an organization over the last couple of years, the White Sox have kind of had, but, like, exemplified. Like they had a bigger disappointment last year. They had a worse off season this year to follow it up. Like that's, that's a, that's a tough situation over there. We'll get into that when Pakoda projections come out. Um, let's see if the rest of the division twins B plus makes sense. Guardians B plus makes sense. I really like the guardians off season. Royals B is preposterous. The, the Royals aren't good. Um, who else? Oh yeah. Then the white Sox with an F. The best was the Mets, Phillies, and Rangers all got A-minus off seasons. They had the best. And then White Sox obviously have the worst. Um, yeah, look, I mean, the, the Tigers, C-minus. Uh, again, like C-minus is pretty like fair, I feel like. I mean, it, it kind of like more of an incomplete than anything else. Like it, it wasn't like we brought in anybody that people went, oh, my goodness, he's terrible. What are we doing? Or that's an awful contract or whatever. We just didn't give out contracts. We just didn't bring in any any major league talent. So I, I think that a C minus is probably fair. I really don't hate our offseason. I, I think the bigger picture, like uh, I logically I understand what the new regime and what Harris is doing with this season and how they're treating this season. So it makes the offseason make a lot more sense. But yeah, like C minus is probably fair. They didn't really add anything. So like fair enough. Uh, you know, uh, sure. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um Third lowest grade given out, like I said, C minus, then D for the Rockies, and then an F for the White Sox. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Sure, sure. C minus makes sense. And kind of in that, pl- not platoon, in that category with all those other teams, kind of the Giants being at a C minus is kind of funny to me because I think that's more so just missing out on Judge than anything else. I don't, I don't think they had really like a bad offseason, but um, yeah, kind of just funny. More of what they didn't get. I guess that's everybody in the C minus tier. Dodgers really didn't do anything. I think they're saving up to try to throw a bag at Otani next year. The Giants missed out on Judge, tried to pick up the pieces with some other signings. And the Red Sox, you know, lost a lot this offseason, even with the Devers extension. So I think the C-minus tier there that we're all in are kind of just people that, you know, they're here because they didn't do enough, not because of anything bad that they necessarily did do. Which makes sense that the Tigers are in that tier. Okay, so there you go. Kind of a weird way to end the show, but I got sent that and and figured we'd talk about it on air. That's all I got. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. That is it. Thank you all. We will be back on Friday. And then after this week, we only got one more week left of three shows a week. Then we're back to five. Pitchers and catchers are going to be in Florida. We're going to have storylines to follow. We are so close to being back to baseball, baby. We're right there. 
Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope, and I'll catch you all on Friday. Go Tigers.